Hello, and welcome to Deep Program with Carrie Smith. This is a special makeup episode of a live coffee break that we couldn't do yesterday because I was stuck in beautiful Newark for two days, Newark Airport. And uh, thank you for tuning in. If it's your first time here, this is a new channel. So please hit like and subscribe. This is a live show that we normally do on Mondays and Fridays. We have uh, deprogrammed interviews. We've got one coming up this Thursday night. And Wednesday night, we do a live show called Pop Culture with my friend, Mystery Chris. Um, but but today, please welcome my special co-host. Where are you? There you are. Hello, Greg Wilson. What's up, my knitters? <laughs> I'm feeling good today. Yes, there you go. Hello, Popped knitters. Popped up on allergies and sunburn. I'm feeling great. <laughs> uh, I was saying to you before the show, I love your beautiful house. What part I can see of it? That's that's the only part you will be allowed to see because okay. there's a whole disaster that's strategically placed all around where you can't see. You've got the camera angled just so. That's right. Yeah. Same here because we're still moving. It's been a long, long move. And this camera is like, this is all you can, everything else is in disarray and being packed up finally. So, so in this square area, yeah. totally, no chaos, totally clean. no chaos, no chaos. Hey guys. Hey, so just a couple of announcements we have uh, for D program, which is a new channel. We have a locals. Now we're going to start doing more content in the locals, including book club and movie night. Uh, if you guys want to join, it's Carrie Smith. Dot locals, I think, or locals.carrysmith, something like that. We'll put it in the comments. Also, we have a subscribe star and a Patreon if you want to support the show. And uh, we have uh, an announcement about our contest. So I announced this before, but I'm going to be more clear. We had a contest to name the live show, and the winner was going to get, is getting a custom made knife from Greg. And the winner was. Uh, the swill and that's greg who makes the knives the winner was the swill and the name was carry on keep calm and carry on but in but here's the thing i still like her feathery break better so we're st he's still winning the knife we're just gonna make keep calm and carry on a t-shirt design instead and so that's what we're doing greg's working on the knife do you I have am. pictures of it or is that hard Give me a second. I can actually bring it out. It's, oh, it's being clamped right now, but I can. Cool. Bring it. Okay. One second. Why you Don't do look that? At the dirtiness. <laughs> I'm going to reveal. Nobody look back there, guys. So <laughs> while he's doing that, I figured I'm going to do something different this morning. Somebody says, "So Carrie wins the knife." Yes, Matt. I do win the knife. <laughs> no, no, the swell wins the knife. This moment's the knife. But uh, I want to do something different. I wanted to start with just a bit of joy. Like whenever we come to these shows and we're thinking about, okay, what's in the news? What's our topic for today? Uh, sometimes I, I do want to talk about what's in the news, but sometimes I'm like, life is beautiful. I want to talk about the good stuff sometimes. And I just want to start with a video. This is from my husband. We're just going to listen to one of his songs and then we'll get started with the show. But by the way, before you hit play, Cole, my husband made the music for this channel. Uh, so if you like the song at the beginning of D program, he made that, which is amazing. I don't, I don't know how people, that's a talent I don't have. So he made that, he made the song for pop culture. And if you have been wanting to hear more of him, 
we're going to listen to a song right now. I've missed him all weekend, so that's why you're just indulging me watching him. Okay, hit play. We're going to watch this song first, Greg. Yes. El Mariachi. Soy un hombre muy honrado, aunque me gusta lo mejor. Las mujeres no me faltan ni el dinero ni el amor. Y mentiando mi caballo por la sierra yo me voy. Las estrellas y la luna es me dicen dónde voy. Ay, 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 mi amor. Ay, mi morena de mi corazón. Is he gonna walk down the bar now and like break up a fight and save a girl? Shoot people. That would be awesome. I I think the lyrics to this song are I love you so much, Carrie. I'm gonna make you some coffee. <laughs> I will do the dishes and I'll mow the lawn. So this sometimes he plays with a full band, but when he's doing a solo show like this one, he does all the percussion and stuff on his guitar. He just uses um, those pedals, those loopers. Yeah. <laughs> Teresa, she wishes she had some salsa and chips. Yes. <laughs> and a margarita. to wear the tight pants. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> it's mind-blowing how good he is. 
right? I mean, I know I'm biased. No, this is like one of the hardest songs out there to play. He has a pedal that makes the guitar sound electric. Yeah, see, I don't have simps. My husband has simps. <laughs> I shot him some pictures. He never responded. Sometimes he goes all the way to the top and it sounds like like uh, like that. Oh. <laughs> like he can do all both ends. It cracks me up. Yeah, I love this song. That was my good man. See why you married him. I get it. Yeah, I love it. I thought I, uh... I was in the running there for a bit, but <laughs> he's. He's, I, yeah, I know, I know I'm biased, but at the same time, well, you know, I everybody's mean, Tiger like, was a deal breaker right there. I'm just saying that. Tiger is my number three after my husband, <laughs> who's number two, <laughs> but he knows, Tiger knows he's number three. So you're saying um, you're number one? You're number one, Greg. It's you. <laughs> I knew it. Still in there. Anyway, thank you guys for humoring me. I wanted to start with something joyful. So I, this weekend, I just told Greg a little bit about it. I got to do, my friend Chrissy Mayer, who's a comedian, did a 48-hour content house in the Poconos, where she invited lots of different kinds of YouTubers, and they had cameras. It was sort of like the real world. I didn't know what to expect, but they had cameras everywhere, and they went to a shooting range before I got there and they did film that they were, we went roller skating, which was so much fun. And they filmed that. They even filmed one of the guys there fell asleep on the couch in the like two in the morning. And they, they just had the camera on him for two hours sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the time he woke up, everybody in the chat had diagnosed him. They're like, you have sleep ap apnea and you need to do that. You know, they were all listening to his snoring. Uh, but that was fun. I got to meet a lot of new people. And then uh, just the traveling back here was chaotic. And so getting back, I'm like, okay, what's been going on in the news? I know it's been happening in the Poconos. That's it. I'm kidding. So. Oh, uh, I got that knife. Oh, yeah. Let's see the knife. So the handle's rough because I just put it on there. It's still drying oh, up a little bit. 
Oh my gosh, Greg. Oh, there's that is amazing. Stuff that's got to get cleaned up. But I put dimples on it all over and I stonewashed it. It is a Viking sax. I, that's amazing that this and, is just your hobby. Yeah, it is. So I've got um, several thousand year old Irish bog wood that they pulled out of the Irish bogs. Uh, and then some zebra wood on there that I'll pin down. And then I'm going to put runes and stuff. There's a thing called the Sax of Bagnoth or something that was found by a farmer, I believe, in England. And they found this Sax and it had all these runes and it was like a uh, an enchantment on the blade and stuff. And that's how they kind of discovered certain rune letters that they had not seen before. That's amazing. And called Far, Farthoth or something. You, um, I, I would love for you to visit Texas because I, I think would you would visit Texas. You would probably love my friends who have, um, oh man, I just think you would get along with them. They have a, they're, they're really into, well, they're really into Ren Fairs and they make all of their own outfits and stuff like do all this crazy leather work, like really talented. And yeah, I've never, well, I did leather, a little bit of leather work, but only like making belts and stuff. And my skills in leather work are probably worse after I started working on leather than they were before I started working on leather. But how did you get into knife making? It just looked cool. I wanted to do it. <laughs> you, you taught yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, YouTube videos. Well, mo mostly, um, I wanted to do it forever. Um, I was always intimidated by, it. I'm one of those guys that if I see something like that looks cool, I want to figure it out and I want to try it. So I usually will latch onto a million different hobbies and try them out until I learn it. Futhark, that's the name. Um, yeah. And, uh, yes, uh, OSPDI, the, uh, the zebra is made from real zebras. Uh, not ethically sourced zebras, what? entirely unethical. Zebras. Wait, what do you mean? Are you joking? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you know, when you hear something and you're like, uh huh, huh, and then you're like, wait, what? No, that doesn't sound right. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> not, not real zebras, not real zebras. Yeah, um. But definitely uh, uh, no no glutens. No, um, good. No gluten no. in this knife. So now I've lost track. What were you saying? I got I got sidetracked. I was just asking you how you got into knife making because it oh, seems like making. you taught yourself. Yeah, so yeah, I really wanted to do it, and then um, a buddy of mine got into knife making and had me over and was showing me it, and I was like. Let's make a knife, man. And so he showed me how to make a knife. I made my first knife over his place. And he's kind of taught me all this stuff. His equipment is way nicer than mine. Um, so I like to go over and hijack his his shop and use a lot of his equipment. Um, but yeah, I just got into it from there. And then, of course, made my wife love me even more when I cleaned out my garage and then she figured out the only reason I was cleaning out my garage is so I could spend a couple grand on various tools and fill back up with equipment. 
So <laughs> she was real excited about that. Yeah. Uh, You're yeah, making so. a space for the hobby. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's just a nice little escape. You know, I'll, you know, pour a bourbon or something or have a beer, turn on the music and just kind of zone out and start working on a night. I love that. So think- when the swill who won, I was like, please be a knife I like. And like he throws like one of my favorite knives. Like he, he's like, I really like the the Norwegian sax. Like, yes. Still <laughs> making that. I too wore the tight pan. <laughs> That's the swell. <laughs> it is. Cool. Well, I do want to get into some stuff I saw this weekend. And if you have anything you want to talk about, feel free. Actually, maybe at the end, I would like to talk about the the glory that is the video game Elden Ring. And why it is so funny to watch everybody melt down online because it's so hard. It well, brings me great joy. I was going to say, why don't we talk about that now? But actually, that sounds funny. Let's save it for the end. You're right. Let's yeah. start with the more depressing stuff. And then we'll get through the depressing stuff fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is something I saw this weekend that just, oh, it just bothered me the way, you know, it, it, it's not surprising, but it bothers you. Um, Cole, can you bring up that CDC article or tweet? So I'm sure some of you saw this, but the CDC is now saying that they're alarmed and worried about, um, well, I'll just read it. Here's the tweet. This is from the American Psychiatric Association. The CDC is warning of an accelerating mental health crisis among adolescents with more than four in 10 teens reporting that they feel persistently sad or hopeless and one in five saying they have contemplated suicide. Open that article, Cole. We might as well look at it. There's a few things in it that just, that just drive me crazy. One of the things is a lot of this is it's like we're telling kids for the past two years um, that there's, such a deadly pandemic happening that we have to close small businesses. We have to close their, you know, maybe if their parents own small businesses, we have to close them. No, schools, school closures, they have to have universal masking. They need to be afraid of everyone, of being around people. They need to stay home. Um, this has been going on for two years. Add to that, that you live in a world that's going to end soon because of climate change and you kids are responsible for fixing it because the world's going to end. And we live in a white supremacist patriarchy and you know, your whole culture's white supremacist and awful. And you might be born in the wrong body. You don't even know. Do you, do you know if you're born in the wrong body? All these things we're telling kids and then we're like, Oh wow. Look, it's affecting them. They're more hopeless. They're, they've got anxiety. There's there's more suicidal ideation. Like, duh. And even in this article, if you open it, I don't know if I don't know if you can open it, Cole, but there's a part in the article where even in the survey, so they they list some of the questions they ask these kids. If you click on the link, Cole, it should open up. It's a link right there for the Washington Post. Yeah. So yeah, scroll down. They they ask them about racism. Um, I'm not sure if you can find that part, but they put it, it's like they build it 
into the premise of the questions itself. It's like, have you experienced um, anxiety? Have you experienced depression? Have you experienced racism? Like they're put, and, and I know they don't mean CRT. They're not asking, has your teacher been teaching you that you live in a white supremacist world? They're, they're relying on that, that presupposition that the world is so racist that these kids have probably experienced it. Let's throw it in the questions, right? So that just bothered me that even built into the survey was more of this doom and gloom. That's all I have to say about it right now. I just wanted to highlight it. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a huge deal. And I remember like from the beginning when we ran our podcast, I was worried about it. We did an episode on it. We did several episodes um, and like ran the statistics on it. And it was like, it was so minuscule, the risk. I wonder if I had my, still have my numbers on it. It was, it was. Are you talking about the coof? Yeah. And like, why do they play? It was clearly um, made as a power grab and to control kids. And, and it, it was not based on science whatsoever. Cause they constantly talk about, believe the science, believe the science. And it was like, well, the CDC's data shows you that the flu was like six times more deadly or something like that than COVID was for kids. For children. And then I was like, okay, well, then there would be an argument to made for teachers because mm -hmm. certain teachers might be older and they fall into that risk group. So you should make accommodations for those. I understand that. Um, they're in a risk group and, you know, we don't know if kids can really carry and spread it or not okay that's fair but then like looked into well what is the average age in the various states and stuff and the average age was like 40 something years old uh so the vast vast majority of teachers are way outside of the risk group and it, it nothing made any sense as to why to do any of that stuff and it was like, you're, this stuff's out there. You're going to get it. And it was probably out there way before we even knew about it. And I think they've admitted that since then. They've talked oh, about, yeah. they've now tracked earlier cases. Yeah. And it's like, so you were never going to be able to stop this. And you should have known through science that you were never going to stop this. And then they're, you know, pushing the whole, you know, vax stuff. And, you know, you even if you've had it, you should still get vaccinated. When Fauci is on tape, you know, years back saying, oh, no, don't get if you already have the flu, there's no point in getting the vaccination, getting the getting sick and getting over it is the best immunization you can possibly get. And now he's, you know, totally backtracking on that because he's making money off this stuff. He loves he's a narcissist. He loves being in the spotlight. And he, he wants is that power. He is a narcissist. I've come to believe that. Did you see? Uh, I think it was Jeremy at the quartering was highlighting how since the Ukraine and Russia conflict started, we haven't heard very much from Fauci. And it turns out he's been doing like these very small little known podcasts. Maybe we could get him for our show because he's doing yeah. podcasts of this size. Right. <laughs> and he's still going around to like local news stations. And, and he did some podcast called like Woke AF or something like these, these small. Yeah. Folks. He doesn't want to get in politics. He's trying to, I'm keeping politics out of it, but I only go on the far left podcast that believe everything I say. 
and spout yeah. it back out. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said, dear God, no, Therese. Yeah, I don't no. think I don't think he would come on this show, but he has done small podcasts. He's still trying to, it's almost like a, a watching a like like whatever happened to Baby Jane, Betty Davis, mm -hmm. Joan Crawford, that movie where uh, Betty Davis plays this former child actress who just doesn't want to leave the stage and is still wearing all this little kid you know, makeup and outfits and trying to relive the glory days. That's what Fauci makes me think of now is sort of like, I can't get out of the spotlight. I still need it. Oh, he's, I think he's an evil man. He's yeah. like one of those like Bond villains, you know, that you think is, or like, you know, villain in a movie you think is a good guy for a while. And then you realize that they've been, you know, creating this whole thing and making the whole thing happen. And it was yeah. long. Yeah. Well, uh, Cole, can you put that article back up one more time? I'm sorry. I just want to read that part just to show people the survey part and how inappropriate it is uh, with kids. But yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't even have, I don't know. I don't have much unique to say about this other than they're not talking about their role in all of this increased anxiety. They're not talking about any real reasons for why this might be happening. It's sort of, I think there's this, this desire just to put it on COVID itself, just to say it was the pandemic. It wasn't the pandemic. It was, it was our response to the pandemic. It's what we allowed as a society. I don't mean you and me individually. I mean, collectively, what we allowed to happen in this country, the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the hysteria. Uh, but here's the part I was looking at. It says, and for the first time, the CDC asked in this survey teens whether they believed that they had ever been treated unfairly or badly at school because of their race or ethnicity. Asian American students reported the highest levels of racist encounters with 64% answering affirmatively, followed by black students and multiracial students, about 55% of whom reported racism. Students who said they had encountered racism at school reported higher rates of poor mental health and were more likely to report having a physical, mental, or emotional problem that made it difficult for them to concentrate. Well, it could have been because they were locked in their house for a year or two playing video games online, and that could be where they experienced all the racism. Because <laughs> gamers, gamers be racist. Well, well not, they also not really, but they just... There's the way always like it. somebody like, you know, talking trash. So I'm just bad joke. Oh no, I get it. It you sometimes somebody uh, Libby <laughs> in the chat. They have to tell me when things are sarcasm, like the zebra would. <laughs> but but no, I I think the other thing is that they always look. They they say if there's a disparity, then it must be because they work backwards. They say it must be because of. XYZ, and it's usually some kind of systemic oppression, right? Well, they don't so, know what racism is anymore. Like, there's no, it's, it's a constant shifting definition when it's so clear what racism is. It's, it's ridiculous. That's why you're confusing the hell out of these kids, and they're, they're in a, they're in a society now that the media is telling them, the government's telling them, their teachers are telling them that they're victims one way or another yes. they're victims and they should want to be a victim, but they manipulate them into think, Oh, I'm, I'm oppressed. And 
you know, I can get, I need to complain about it all the time. I just remember growing up and I'd complain. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it's just like, grow up, get over it, move on. Yeah. That's my point is that if you're telling them that the world is racist and they're starting from that belief and you're telling them they need to look for racism everywhere and you're even including it on the survey and saying, Hey, did you, did you experience any of that racism? Of course they're going to have higher levels of mental distress. They believe they live in a white supremacist world. Well, when you're telling them yeah. math is racist, of course they experience racist every day. <laughs> yes. It's like racism, not racist every day. You're get you're telling them to look for this thing, to find this thing, and then saying, Oh, haha, they found this thing. Look at that. And they're more mentally distressed because of it. I'm like, yeah, but that that makes sense, you know. When I was in the social justice cult, I I believed the world was best viewed as this competition for for power among identity groups and that sexism was everywhere and it was my job to find it and racism was everywhere it was my job to find it and if I had done a survey like this oh hell yes it would have been I see it everywhere because I would have I would see it in every encounter even if it wasn't there and and would my mental distress be higher than it is now yeah I'm pretty sure it would have been yeah you notice like most people that are really into that ideology like they are some of the most miserable people like they're constantly upset everything gets them going yeah and sometimes i egg it on you do sometimes i do you troll a little bit (laughs) sometimes I, i i have my limits on it like i i can tell when like somebody's like all right this is this has gone too far. Like they're, they're getting a little too upset and I start feeling bad for them maybe to my detriment, but. I will sometimes troll too. It just depends. Cause trolling is really comedy in my, that's what it is in my opinion. And it's all, it's to be used in certain circumstances, right? If they yeah. don't have any good faith, they're not really trying to have a real conversation with you anyway. Yeah. Then it's kind of like, okay, even sarcasm trolling all of that i think is useful as a tool oh it can be really funny yeah and i love it when i got trolled you know and so i thought it was hysterical it's just like it's like pulling, it's messing with somebody's pulling a prank i mean that's what i do all the time i mean yeah but they don't have a sense of humor and they can't they can't they really see don't that. have a sense of humor or it's just whatever like uh regurgitated humor that comes from jimmy kimmel or something yes you know like when they uh what they did the the post COVID special on South park. I don't know if you saw that, but it didn't, they had, um, I think it was Jimmy, like the, the one uh, character that's on crutches and he's got like a stuttered and he'd always crack a joke. He's like, you know, what do you call a, a Jew and a, a Christian in a Muslim that walk into a bar? Nothing. They're very wonderful people and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with them. And everybody starts laughing, you know, I was like, that's like, it was, it was great. Cause like, yep, that's kind of what the humor is now. Like you, you cut the tiptoe around everything. That's hilarious. That is exactly what it is. This, this weekend hanging out at, at Chrissy Mayer's um, stream house or content house, there were so many comedians, there were comedians there from uh, compound media. Do you know that network? Uh, yeah, I think so. So it's, there, it's that's, um, Anthony Cumia's network. Yeah. So Anthony Cumia was there and Gino Visconti, so funny. 
and so inappropriate and that in in a weird way it's so refreshing because you don't hear that kind of comedy any you don't hear like the everything that's allowed on the mainstream like on the late night shows and everything it's all completely sanitized it's all woke it's exactly that what you just talked about it's like nothing they're all wonderful people that's it that's the joke and or it's it's a uh, trump or republican bashing it's like one-sided partisan political humor and yeah. this was just straight up offensive like oh my goodness they take shots at everyone no one is spared that kind of equal opportunity offender and mm -hmm. you forget i forget anyway j just how much we don't hear that anymore it's like what you're making jokes about this stuff oh yeah like we brag on each other all the time like in my my jeep call we have one guy's like five foot four or something you know he's short real short guy and a good friend of mine we brag on him all the time for his height like every time like we'll meet at a restaurant we'll make sure we get like a little high chair and stuff for him and you know <laughs> say he lives in a little keebler elf tree he's making cookies this is the way guys well you tell me if i'm wrong but as i understand it this is the way men in when they're in a group usually joke and mm -hmm. the my uh you know my husband jokes like this with friends it's it's the way when i was in a this gun club in los angeles it was mostly men and i was in a, a girls gun club but then i was in this other mixed group that was mostly men and the way that they joked was so foreign to me but it was what you're saying it didn't matter who you were if whatever was unique about you they would make if you were old all the jokes would be about your age. If you were young, all the jokes would be about your age. If if you were Jewish, yeah. they're all about you being Jewish. If you're black, all about yeah, you being black. If you're um, you're never safe. You're never safe. If you're a woman, it's all about. But it's not like it, it, nobody was spared. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't like let's just go after specific groups. It was everyone. There was a joke about everyone. There was jokes about white people. It was like just sort of. Uh, well, I think white people jokes are hysterical. <laughs> Yes. I think they're hysterical. Uh, I, I just, oh God. <laughs> it's your favorite. It's Tiger. <laughs> About to go Will Smith. <laughs> Get that dog off your mother effing lap. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, Greg is Tiger's biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me and Tiger go way back. But that's the way you guys joke. In groups of men is it more do you think it's more of a male like a masculine thing to do that and why i think so i mean i think there's you know it's like a kind of a social trait over the years you know you're you're meant to be more you're, you're the protector you've got to be more tough you got to go out do the the hard the dangerous jobs and stuff um you know you're, you're the hunter or whatever and so i think it's kind of like a built up mechanism for men is they to always make fun of each other and toughen each other up. Um, and now there's a lot of women I know do a lot of trash talking too. And I really enjoy like women trash talking, but it, it's weird. It sounds different. It just like, it, it is like, it's funny, but you're just like, man, is it, it just didn't feel the same. I don't know. It's, I have a friend, Emily, and she's a big trash talker too, but it always just like uh, when she trash talks guys, sometimes I'll get upset because it just, 
there's a different tone that it comes off as. I just don't think they're really like used to. And they take it more personally, where if it was a guy that said the same thing, they would just laugh and rag on him back. Um, so I think it is kind of a male thing. But I respect anybody that basically trash talks me back. I don't, you know, care male or female. Because it's sort of showing you can take it and give it. And, and also what I noticed in that group, well, it's funny you mentioned women doing it. I know some women who are good at trash talking. I'm not, I, I bought a book called insults and comebacks to help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I was still very awkward at it. Like, hold on, let me look up something about age. <laughs> you know, like, and, oh, it's gotta be completely spontaneous. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes the best ones are the people that aren't very good with it good at it but they've got a couple you know in the back burner like saved up for a perfect uh scenario and then they launch it and it catches everybody off guard and it's like that whole like silence yeah. and then instant laugh like those are those are some of the best because you're just like oh man it's like blindsided yeah it's also what i always heard from the guys and was that it was sort of the the more it was a way of showing that they like you, that you're part it of is. the group. It's, yeah, if they don't make fun of you, um, it doesn't necessarily mean they don't respect you. It might be like they're trying to feel the water. Because some people, like some guys out there, unfortunately, there's a lot more than there should be, that get really upset at trash talk. And so sometimes, you know, nowadays you're kind of like, well, got to feel it out first. But usually, especially back in the day, like if you were trash talking somebody, like they just there wasn't respect there because like as soon as they start trash talking you're like all right i'm in with them yeah we're good i mean i'll trash I, i've i've walked into bars and gotten trash talked like that you know <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i'm sitting next to this guy we're gonna have a fun time that's amazing pirate tomsky says it's how you build trust as well if you have a guy who can't take a joke you know you have to get rid of them that's a good point yeah especially for coming from a brit <laughs> We have a super chat, guys. Cheeky Mare. Hello, lady. She says, I've always been more comfortable around men and their sense of humor. I have to remember to tone my trash talk down when I'm in a room full of women. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I imagine if you're like hanging out with the guys all the time and that's your way of interacting. It doesn't. Women don't interact that way, in my experience. Not in this. No. It's, it's, th th that's why I think it's so foreign sometimes to women because it's like, Women, how do they build one another? They don't build one another up or, or form trust by trash talking. They do it more by showing up for one another and being supportive and complimenting. I mean, I guess if I had to, I mean, I just had a coffee with a couple of lady friends and it's like, we don't see each other and, and immediately, you just don't do that. You see each other and you're like, how's your life? What's going on? Yeah. You know, you're. it's just a different way of building Trust, sharing things about yourself and each other. And yeah, it's kind of foreign. Yeah, no, we see, we haven't seen each other for like five, 10 years. And as soon as we see each other, like, what's up, dickhead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I were better at it, though. Um, okay, so I did want to talk about something else I saw this weekend. This is you just ready? a. You ready, Snurdly? You going to pull up that clip? Yeah. Pull up this clip of this mom, Cole. So there were a few things that are popping up in, in my feed oh, recently like this. 
I'm going to set it up before you hit play that. So now that Florida has done this bill where they say you cannot, uh, as teachers are not allowed to indoctrinate children uh, into gender ideology or to talk about sexual orientation in grades kindergarten through third grade. So K through three, you're not allowed to talk about gender identity or sexual orientation. Yeah. Instruct them in that, right? And everyone on the left is going crazy about it. They're they're inaccurately calling it the don't say gay bill. They're trying to pretend like you can't even like, for example, they're they're giving up these hypothetical scenarios where if a teacher is a lesbian, she can't she can't ever refer to her wife, like, oh, my wife and I this weekend. That's not even what the bill's about. That's a casual reference to someone. That's not instruction. They're saying she can't say my wife and then sit down and be like, let me tell you about homosexuality, guys. And my it's different. Yeah, but especially if they start talking about the Harley, they're not allowed to talk about that because then you know they're a lesbian. The Harley? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of or, the ladies I know that that does apply to. <laughs> or a Subaru. If they drive a Subaru, lesbian. The, my favorite lesbian joke was always, uh, what does a lesbian bring to the second date? All her all her luggage. A U-Haul. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I heard that joke from my gay, like, gay yeah, friends. Yeah, from like, a lesbian. A, <laughs> yeah, the lesbians were there like, yep, that's true. <laughs> so in response to the bill in Florida... There's now the the way in which woke people are talking about this issue is uh, it's in the middle of of sort of transforming. They're starting to talk about it in a different way. And what they're starting to do now is say that it, that it's somehow that schools are already already indoctrinating kids age kindergarten through third grade by any any reference to husbands if you're a woman a female teacher and you mention your husband or something that that's indoctrination and therefore um you know that this is one-sided and we've i've started to see these articles and videos now where people are saying i'm gonna raise my child to be gay like to make a point so let's like, just play messed up is that? yeah right. let's, we'll just play this okay yeah, this is him. He's gay. I called up my dad and I said, hey, guess what? Your grandson? Gay. Gay, gay, gay. My dad says, you can't just say that your baby is gay before he gets a chance to tell us he's gay. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Straight people do it all the time. Little baby boy is born. Oh, he's going to be a heartbreaker. Little baby girl is born. Oh, you better lock her up when she turns 16. Clearly, people want their children to be straight. Well, my son is gay. Gay. Very gay, baby. Had you seen that before? I did. And, like, it's this crazy logic. One, I was like, yeah, they do say that stuff as, like, just a little joke. Like, hey, you're, you know, you got a cute kid. Um... But why can't he be a heartbreaker with the guys? And why can't when they the girl turns 16, he'd be having a gun for her lesbian that pulls up in her super outback? Right. I don't I mean, this logic doesn't compute to me. No. But no, it's it's messed up. They just to 
to push their politics. They're willing to manipulate their children's lives to win some political points on TikTok that aren't going to mean a damn thing, even politically in, you know, in a couple of years, all that something's going to change. They're going to be in a whole different grind with what other crazy things they come up with. Yeah. Cole, by the way, Cole says he thinks this video is older than the Florida bill. Uh, it may be, but I've seen similar things since the Florida me. bill. This is becoming more common. There's an article, bring up the uh, article that I sent you, Cole. This is something that came out a couple days ago. And the headline is, this is in Huffington Post. I'm trying to raise my kids as homosexuals. And I never even have to say gay. Scroll down. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. And then we can talk about it. See if you can make it just a little bit bigger. How am I attempting to raise my kids as homosexuals, you ask? Well, it's simple. I learned how from watching straight people enforce sexual orientation on their children without ever saying straight. One of the most amazing things about cisgender straight people is that most of them think they don't have a sexual orientation or a gender identity. A major premise of Florida's recently passed Don't Say Gay Bill is that children should be sheltered from discussions of sexual orientation. And in many ways, I, a queer mom married to a woman, actually agree with this. This all also goes for gender identity, too. I think it would be amazing if schools stopped teaching gender as an innate expression stemming from what's in one's pants. And I believe young children can learn all about love and family and different family structures without needing to have it framed in ways that are overly sexual or romantic. But that's not how straight society likes to play. The ironic twist regarding this legislation is that mainstream straight culture enjoys aggressively heterosexualizing young children in ways that if LGBTQ people did it, we would be labeled perverts, extremists, and child abusers. And yet heterosexual grooming, a term I coined for this phenomenon, <clears throat> is so constant and ubiquitous, most people don't even notice it. What is heterosexual grooming? It's a set of practices and expectations based on a child's assigned gender at birth, which promotes the formation of a romantic and possessive relationship between opposite sex children and their parents. As soon as these straight parents find out if they have a penis baby or a vagina baby, they seem to be obsessed with the idea of a romantic bond forming with the parent who has different genitals from the baby. A romantic bond? What? Something tells me this person looks at pictures that they shouldn't be looking at. What tells you that? Feeling just like that language and like the whole like the sexualization of what they're saying that straight people are doing. Yes, it's projection. Like, like, yeah, you're you're projecting something. Something's in your closet. Something's Uh, in your. It's the premise is so so this is at the heart I think of some of the gender ideology part of social justice. They want us to believe. So what they've been doing and they've been doing this since I was in college cuz I mean this happened to me. I believed this for a while. They want us to believe that any um uh abnormality so something that's not the normal expression of relate relation something that's not the norm it doesn't mean it's it's there's no value judgment there it's just not the norm 
homosexuality is not the norm. It's it's less than 5% of the population. Is that it? You know, I think I've seen as high as 10% before. I think it's around like seven and a half or something. Right. It's maybe growing up, you know, going a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a small minority. It's a small minority. What they want to do is say that is that it, that it is just as much the norm as heterosexuality, which is not true. And to say, we have to therefore socially reconstruct, socially enforce this idea on children that you need to decide, decide if you're gay or straight, decide if you're born in the wrong body or not, if you need surgery or not to change your gender, you need to decide all these things that most kids don't have a reckoning with. You know, 90 yeah. on the trans issue, 99.99% of kids have never had to reckon with this. They've never had gender dysphoria. They've never been like, I'm trapped in the wrong body. But now they're saying this thing that affects a small fraction of 1% of people. Oh, that's, that's a, that's something we've just, we've just suppressed that we need to let all kids decide if they were born in the wrong body or not. And if they need surgery or not, we need to present it as the norm. And they're doing the same thing here with homosexuality. It's like, we need to let all kids know that they might be attracted to the same sex. Yeah. It's, it's, and the thing is like when you raise kids, I mean, this has been proven time and time again, like boys naturally like to go to, toys and stuff that move things have wheels that they can roll around and have action to it where girls are attracted to like dolls and stuff that stuff that they can hold and care for and they've done tons of studies where they they put them in rooms like you choose whatever you want to play with and it's they go to these things they did it like the with the chimps and stuff i think and we're trying like trying to get them to like you know more feminine toys and stuff. And they, they didn't want it. It's just, it's a, it's a kind of instinctual thing. Now I think there, I've heard arguments both sides and I can see the merits in both of them. Um, I don't give two craps if you're gay or not, or trans or whatever, as long as you don't like push that out and force me to accept it. But I, I kind of like lean toward, I think certain people are born gay. Um, like there are just certain people it's just like they're just I've known or still know and there's not a straight bone in their body. Like they're just like unattracted to women. And me, I don't understand that because, you know, women are beautiful. Like they're, you know, curvy and everything and got finer features and stuff. Well, I, um, but no, they'd rather have a, you know, chiseled man. <laughs> I like you're just rambling now. <laughs> a chisel man. You're I think it's like most things, it's nurture and nature. It's yeah, probably, I think it's a bit of both. It's probably a bit of both. But the idea that we need to start teaching kids that that everyone that it's a blank slate, that you're born a blank slate and you should decide whether you're this or that, that's, that's, I just think that's faulty reasoning. And I think it's dangerous for the kids, for their well being, for their development, because you're introducing questions into the heads of kids who were, who never had that question before. It wasn't yeah, something and then they dealt they're with. They're in a spot in their life where, how are they going to really make any sense of that? 
they're going to come up with irrational conclusions to try to make sense with something that they're not prepared for. And, you know, just like growing up, you know, in school and stuff, we were uh, pretty mean to, you know, we weren't mean to any, it was weird because we weren't mean to any kids that were gay or seemed gay. Um, But it was like a joke, like, oh, you're gay. You, You like guys, you know, and, you know, saying like, you know, fag or queer or whatever, you know, we had the game like smear the queer and stuff back in the day. But society's changed. But society's changed. So like you kind of grow out of that stuff and you learn older, like, Hey, that's, that's not really right. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, though that's pretty hurtful stuff. And you get, you grow a different perspective on it, but during the time it wasn't like, Oh, when you're cracking those jokes, it was just like, a, you know, shooting the shit, like an insult, but it hadn't, it didn't really have anything to do with them actually being gay. Cause then like when there would be like a student that was gay, we wouldn't mm-hmm. rag on him for being gay. Like, Oh, he's actually gay. So we're not going to insult him. So it was like, I, you, you got to grow into things. You got to experience life and get different perspectives. Uh, be around different cultures, different people, different races and everything to get a better perspective on things. You're not allowing them these chances to grow and make mistakes and stuff. You're shoving it right down their throat and trying to indoctrinate them. And I think there there's going to be really bad consequences for that later on in life. And it's very well could result in these kids rebelling and hating their parents or whatever and hating everybody like you don't know what you're doing to these kids and when there's like i just wanted to have a normal life you forced me to be gay and i never wanted to be how do you know because you you see all these videos of these parents were like making posts like my 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 son um is trans uh, but they keep on wanting to play with boy toys and wear boys clothes and stuff, but they're actually, I've seen these. and you're like, how do you, you, are you, what is wrong with you? The, this kid is obviously just wants to be a boy. I've seen and, and them. You're not allowing that. Yeah. They're pushing it. A lot of them are pushing it in these parents groups. I'm in, I've seen that exact yeah. post. It's it's, I saw one where the child is a biological female, 13 years old. And the mom was asking for advice because in the UK, um, the, her daughter, you know, says she's a boy and they have to have been living, living as a male for a certain amount of time before they will recommend the surgery for them or approve the surgery. And so basically she's like, my son, she means, she means biological daughter, my son, vagina baby. Right. Of what they would call a vagina baby yeah. Um, yeah. is, you know, ready for surgery, but still wears high heels and dresses and feminine clothes. And I've been telling him he needs to wear more masculine clothes so he can get this approved. And 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 here's what he's picking out. And then she shared a picture of this dress. It was kind of like a steampunk dress. And was saying, you know, this isn't, how do I tell my kid this isn't masculine enough? And it's like, why don't you just slow down? Your child's 13. Maybe they don't need surgery. Yeah. Well, and why aren't these doctors like instantly going, oh no, you're not, we're not doing that. And in fact, like we're warning, you know, putting you on a a list or whatever else. Like, hey, be wary of this 
this freak, yes. <laughs> you know, trying to manipulate her kid. Like, because everything's upside down right now. Uh, th this goes in, ties in nicely with the link I just sent you, Cole, in the private chat. I forgot to send you this one before. Pull this one up. I saw this one on Thursday, I think it was. This is another CDC link. Um, actually, no, this is from the APA. This is from the American Psychiatric Association. So they just quietly updated the DSM this month, March. They've updated the DSM to use what they call culturally sensitive language. I put that in quotes because that's how- When is science it. supposed to have been culturally sensitive? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. So they're going to be using culturally sensitive language. So in, the, in, the, in their definition, in the DSM, in the entry for gender dysphoria, they've now changed all these terms that psychiatrists are supposed to use. And so from now on, they're saying instead of, instead of referring to a patient's desired gender, we're going to refer to it as experienced gender. Look at the sleight of hand there with that language. Oh, there's so much political pressure on the APA and stuff. And I was watching some debate and, you know, the lefty on it was all talking. About. I was like, well, you know, but they, they're not going to be, you know, treating people uh, or like you're talking about like gender transitioning and everything like, but there's this, you know, this APA and stuff. They've got all these guidelines that they have to follow. So, you know, it's not going to be somebody that's just confused or whatever that's getting. And like, what are you talking about? This thing is entirely been manipulated and it's full of activists now. So follow like who and who follows guidelines or policies? Right. And, you know, and um, like my friend, uh, he's Canadian psychologist. Uh, Dr. Oren Amate, and this is what he like deals directly in. And he was basically a pariah now from the psychological associations because he stood up against this. And he's like, we're here for the science. We're supposed to be here to help people. And, you know, he just comes from a very like rational, straightforward. I look at the facts on both sides and yeah, I had very, very in interesting conversation with him. He'd be somebody that you should probably get on because like, your mind will be blown with his conversations. Somebody else has recommended him to me. It might've been you. I, I'm going to look him up. I'm sorry. I've had a lot very, of very honest, like straight shooter kind of guy. Um, like you can tell, like he truly cares and takes his profession very serious and is willing to put up the fight. He was actually long time ago. He was on the panel with um, Gad said and uh, Jordan Peterson when it was like a free speech panel and then it was like who was it faith goldie or somebody that was on there that had just like gone on like some white supremacist oh, show I know and about, yeah and um so he, they got a lot of flack for you know basically booting her off the panel and there he like he has a whole story because he was there and he's like it, there's a whole story behind that that people were not seeing oh. and um uh, but I, and he I actually doesn't have anything bad to say about her. He was just like, they were going to cancel this whole event. And, you know, it was going to be a huge security thing. We wanted to still have the event. And it was like that or that or nothing. And, yeah. you know, and so well, they were at least able to talk about it. Cole, can you bring that link back up just one more time? I want to point out some more of the language in there. And thank you, Greg. I will look him up. I, you're not the first person who's told me I need to be familiar with him. I know there's a lot of doctors they're censoring now. Anybody who doesn't go along with this 
ideology. But so they're changing the language. So desired gender is now experienced gender. This is in the DSM. Cross-sex hormones is now gender affirming hormones. <laughs> and natal male is now assigned male at birth. Uh, natal female is now assigned female at birth. This is control of the language in order to control our thoughts, in order to control yeah. the way we think about it. So the sleight of hand there is so, it's so gross. It's so Orwellian. It's like, we don't like, you know, cross-sex hormones is acknowledging that we're giving you hormones for the opposite sex. And we don't want to acknowledge that that's what we're doing. So we're going to call it gender affirming. And, yeah. and, you know, we don't want to acknowledge that, that it's a desired gender that you wish you were the other gender, the other sex. We're going to call it your experienced gender, which does what it, 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 there's a, there's an implied belief there that you are definitely experiencing this other sex. That's what you are. It's language. They, yeah. It, it blows my mind. And this is, this happened this week at the APA and same week. What came out, if you scroll down, Cole, this happened the same time. I think I linked it here. I hope I did. Down below these APA things, the next tweet. Same week. Keep keep scrolling down. It's the next tweet. There, Biden. The Biden administration. You got to go down a little further. There you go. <laughs> so this is a headline. We don't have to open the whole thing up. I just want to tell you what he was doing the same week that the APA did this. You know this stuff is all coordinated. The Biden oh, yeah. administration came out, and, and this is a headline. It says, White House, early trans surgeries and hormones are crucial for kids and teens who identify as trans. Same month. Thank you. Which I'm Thank surprised you. Biden's coming out and doing that because he – I thought he just really just enjoyed sniffing them. I thought that would change the, the smell and everything of these kids. He likes to sniff. Is that, what do you think that is? I oh, mean, I he, think he's a pedophile. You do? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't think I, I don't, I don't. Obviously I don't, my opinion. I Obviously well, my opinion. opinion is 100% factually correct. I just think he's probably, he's just senile old man. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Either way, it is creepy. It is a little creepy. But so the same week that they did this with the APA, Biden admin is now coming out and backing it up. And, and I wanted to point those two things out because all of this, we've seen this in the media. They coordinate all this stuff, just like they coordinated right before the State of the Union, you know, when they sent out this, uh, this memo got leaked, where they did a survey to find out what the American public felt about the coup restrictions. And they said... Here's all of our messaging. Here's all of our talking points. Yeah. We're going to start saying the Democrats <laughs> successfully ended the coup, and we're going to say we're ready to move on from these regulations. Thank, thank you to the Democrats, because our survey results show that people, including Democrats we've surveyed, are ready to move on. So we're going to say, let's move on. And they sent it out. And within a day, all of the Biden admin was saying this. Um, all these Democratic governors, like Newsom was saying this. They were all on board with the messaging and and it's just they're in bed with each other the apa of course they're putting oh, yeah. this out well it's all in bed with each other in bed with the media i mean you just like look at all the people that are in like the mainstream media and then where they used to work or where they go to work afterwards it's like jen saki's going on to msnbc or whatever 
and it's like a rotating door. It's the government and the media are constantly rotating jobs in and out. And it's all, they're all buddied up and it's all coordinated messaging. And this stuff's been going on forever. And it's like, that's, that's why you hear this stuff about Ukraine. Like every media outlet is all pro Ukraine. Like, let's get Zelensky out there and talk. And like, Hey, maybe it's true, but I'm sitting there going, Hmm. And so, like my red flags go off. I'm like, ah, I, I want to know more about what's going on. And then anything that might go against any Ukrainian narrative, it's instant Russian propaganda. So instant, like, Oh yeah, I don't like Russia, but I, no, Ukraine's been corrupt, you know, and I know they have like the Asaz battalion, or Azov battalion that's um, literally Nazis, <laughs> you know. And uh, even when asked about, it, he's like Brett Byer, I think asked him, he's like, "Well, they are what they are." Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about that, and but I do know enough to be skeptical, and I understand why people. Are skeptical. I'm actually gonna. Well, you can't even have... be skeptical now. Like you, you can't like boom, bad. Oh, you're pro Russia. I'm like, no, I don't like Russia, but I'm really skeptical about this. You know, yeah. watch, watch, uh, like China go invade Taiwan, and I about guarantee you, the media won't say a damn thing about it. There won't be any big like, oh, let's let's get the leaders of Taiwan on the the news, and everybody run out with their virtue signaling uh, Taiwan flags and stuff, except for those people that have already been following and supporting Taiwan for years. China's watching this, and I think they're seeing like, oh, we can go take out Taiwan if we wanted yeah. to, and nobody would do anything about it. Yeah, now would be the good the good time. Well, I I should announce I'm actually, because I don't know a lot about the Russia-Ukraine subject, I know enough that I'm skeptical but I oh, want yeah, to talk to someone who does know more about it. And I've really been appreciating trigonometry's videos. Constantine Kissin is going to come on the show with me on uh, Monday, the 11th. Oh, cool. So any of you guys who want to hear a conversation with me and Constantine, he, what I like about him is that he understands the skepticism that people have and where it's coming from. He understands why we don't trust the media, but he has a different opinion than a lot of than a lot of wrong thinkers seem to have about what's going on. So I'm looking forward to having him tell me, you know, his point of view about what's happening. And um, you guys can tune in on Monday the 11th if you're interested. That's the thing is that you should absolutely get different points of view on it and let people, mm -hmm. you know, give you like their actually experiences and their knowledge of things that actually know what the heck they're talking about instead of like an idiot like me. Um, but you're not allowed to do that nowadays. And it's very, uh, very dangerous stuff. Yeah, very. So, but, oh, you made a point earlier, and I wanted to say yeah. something. Um, Is that your dog in the background? Yeah, she's really, she's like fifteen years old. She's a little Pomeranian. She's oh, what a got like a heart condition, so she coughs. What's her name? Emma. Oh, Emma Delama. As long as there's evil in the world, she'll live forever. <laughs> there will always be evil. I regret yeah, to inform you. <laughs> like she's she's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but no, like that uh, one of the articles you're reading and you know talking about how they're changing language and stuff. And I think what they're gonna do, 
is with this whole don't say gay bill, which has nothing to do with it. Side note, that was never being taught in the schools in Florida already. Mm. So it was like, what are you getting upset about? Because it's not even part of the curriculum anyways. And it never was, you know. Uh, So it was almost kind of like a troll in a way. Um, But changing language, what they're going to do now, I think, is they're going to try to find ways to insert it by just changing their own language. And so when they're like, oh, we're not talking about, you know, kids, you know, being in the wrong body or different gender or being gay or whatever. We're talking about whatever new words we came up with and they'll come up with their own definitions and stuff and try to weasel the way out. And I think it'll be in retaliation of this bill and it'll probably get worse in schools. Yes. Because they would dig their heels in and try to find, you know, creepy ways to groom kids. There's no logical explanation um, to tell me why, a kindergartner to third grade needs to hear anything about sexuality. No. And they're doubling down. You're right. I think they are. Well, the two things are happening. I did see that. And who knows? Again, I don't trust the media, but the media is saying that a lot of teachers are quitting over this. They're quitting over the fact that they can't indoctrinate children in kindergarten through third grade on sexual orientation and gender identity. You're quitting over that. Okay, good riddance, because you're telling yeah. me what it is you wanted to do with your teaching degree, yeah, which is to indoctrinate kids. So goodbye. So if that's really happening, goodbye. But the other thing that's happening is they are doubling down. As you said, there's a, I wasn't sure if I was going to put this up, but Cole, why don't you put up that image? This is a post from a teacher in Florida. And this is kind of the doubling down that you're talking about. This teacher is now saying that she is going to refuse to use any gendered language in her classroom. So from now on, let's see if I can read this. It says, Dear Florida parents, caretakers, the Florida House of Representatives has recently ruled that classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three. And I'm really upset about it. shouldn't say that. Or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. To be in accordance with this policy, I will no longer be referring to your students with gendered pronouns. All students will be referred to as they and them. I will no longer use a gendered title such as Mr. or Mrs. or make any references to my husband or wife in the classroom. From now on, I will be using the non-gendered title mix. (laughs) Furthermore, I will be removing all books or instruction, which refer to a person as being a mother, a father, a husband, or a wife, as these are gender identities that also may allude to sexual orientation. Needless to say, all books which refer to a character as he or she will also be removed from the classroom. So if like you have, every book? Yeah. <laughs> like no books in the classroom. Yeah. This is a hissy fit. Yeah. Yeah. You can take that down. Thank you. But but it's a hissy fit and it's a doubling down. And the point they're trying to make, which is what was being made in that that Huffington Post article, too, is they're trying to say that children are blank slates and they're not born heterosexual. Most kids are not, which is just not true, that most people are not heterosexual. They're trying to push this idea. And so we're not going to refer to anyone we're not going to acknowledge uh, any, we're not going to acknowledge biological sex at all. We're not going to refer to anyone as she or he, 
or Mr. or Ms. or mother or father. We're going to get rid of all of that because we're doubling down. What I wonder what she's going to do like when another teacher walks in and like, hi, I'm Mrs. Fox. And she's like, ah! you know, <laughs> a, out. Mix, mix Fox. Yeah, a mix Fox. Mix. Can they uh, hand me that eraser over there? They. Yeah. It's a, it's a destruction. It goes back to like what the APA is doing. It's a destruction of language. I I I don't know. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I think it's going to get. I think it's going to keep going. I don't think this is the end it's, of it. It's going to go on for a while. Yet. It's, yeah. It's it's going to reach whole new levels of ridiculous that you you just can't imagine because it's just too ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's already past the point of satire. Because now you can't even tell what's satire anymore because they're saying yeah. the exact same thing. They're calling people penis babies. Yeah. Like well, I, mean, I, I mean, I call my friends that. So, I mean, that, that turns been around. Like, what's up, little penis baby? <laughs> this is part of your, your shit talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, tell me some, tell me some funny news. What's this video game thing? Oh, yeah. So Elden Ring, um, there are these games that first came out on PlayStation 2 or 3, I can't remember, uh, called Dark Souls. No, Demon's okay. Souls. And then it turned into, then they went to Dark Souls. Uh, they made Bloodborne. Uh, and then they also made this new game called Elden Ring, which is a, a kind of open world concept. Uh, okay. game where you can just run out and do whatever. Um, is this like an MMORPG? Uh, I mean, there is a little bit of online play, uh, but it's not at that level. Okay. Like, you're not running around with a whole bunch of people playing online. Um, but it's from a company called From Software, and they, uh guy Miyazaki, I think, is the head over there. And for years and years, they've been making these games. They're notoriously difficult, unforgiving. You're going to die a million times. But they people love them because it's so challenging that when you find, like, beat a boss or something, you know, it's a big accomplishment. Like, you, like yeah, there's a good risk-reward to it. They're very fun games. And people now, because... I think partly, well, they've been complaining about Dark Souls games for a while, but George R. R. Martin basically did a lore dump. They were trying to give him all this credit, like, oh, he helped create Elden Ring. All he did is just dump some of his lore, and it was all Miyazaki. Um, he dumped what? Lore? Lore, like did a lore dump into it. Um, but it's basically lore that's been, you know, same concepts and stuff that's been all in the other games. But they're just, they're super tough. And I mean, they, they just throw you in it. They don't even... You can totally miss the tutorial and not even know it like I did. So they don't tell you the controls. You just got to figure them out. And uh, it's, I love it. Like I actually, like I beat the whole game. I've 100% today. I got my platinum, you know, trophy and stuff. And, but people are online flipping out that there's not an easy mode. Cause there's no, you don't get a change of difficulty. Most games you play like, Hey, you want an easy medium. Right. Hard you know, insane or God mode or whatever. No, it's just, it's just insane mode right from the get go. You can't choose your difficulty. You're just, you're thrown into it. 
and people are flipping out. Like there needs to be an easy mode in this game and coming up with all these crazy things about it. And then you got all these developers out there. They're coming in and trying to bash the game because, well, the game is one of the biggest selling games of all time now, uh, you know, up to date of where it's at. Uh, it's it's right kind of like in line with was a GTA 4 when that came out. That thing just took off. And it's just a little bit below that. Um, so it's selling like crazy. And yeah, it's, it's just so funny to watch all these game journalists. and don't play video games or they'll get them and they'll play them on easy mode and then write the review when then they're, they're having to review Elden Ring and they can't make it past a tutorial boss. <laughs> and so they want, so just so I yeah. understand this correctly, the game is wildly popular because it's so difficult and it's actually challenging. And so yeah. now there's a huge so uproar from game journalists that it's too hard and there needs to be an easy setting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are it's they so funny, like it's like just buy a different game? Like the games, like there are certain games that uh I just don't enjoy. They're just not my style game. They're like too difficult for me, and it's not really a style that I enjoy that much. So I was like, all right, well, that game's not made for me. There's one game that came out with from software it's called Sekiro. Only game of theirs I have not been able to beat. That game to me is just so hard. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Probably got about halfway through it. And, you know, I stopped playing because I just can't beat this. But I was totally happy with the money I spent buying it. Happy with all the time I spent playing. I might try to go back later and try to beat it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And it was just like, all right, the game's too tough for me. I'm just not at that skill level. It didn't get good enough. You know, and oh, they get mad because then everybody goes, get good, scrub. You know, so that's that's the whole response to get good. And get so good. Gets them, yeah, it gets them so mad. It's just like the whole term when they're like learn to code to game journalists and game journalists got super upset about that. Um, and so the, they're all trying to bring back Gamergate and all of this stuff and, you know, trying to create massive pressure on uh, from software and Miyazaki to, you know, make these games easier. And he basically, I think he kind of capitulated a tiny bit, but for the most part, he's like, no, like we have a successful model. People really enjoy the games. Our sales numbers are showing how well that's doing for us. Why would we change that? Right. If you started putting in easy mode, it's not the same game. It wouldn't be fun anymore. It's like, you don't have a choice. Like you're going to have to get good or this isn't the game for you. It's like life. I mean, (laughs) come on. That's like saying, you know, Knife making is hard. Can you put this on easy mode? I'm just not good at the knife making, you know, or, yeah. or music. Like my husband been playing the video. Like I wish I could play guitar like that. That's really hard. Can can you just put life on easy setting for me so I can play like that? Like you can't. You have to put in the hours. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's it just comes. The people are complaining. It's coming from that that don't want to have to work hard for anything. And I get it. It's a game. You know, and people like there's a lot of the game journalists, like the more cinematic games, you just kind of like it's like you're just part of a, a big movie and you're just playing along, but there's no real big challenge to it. And I get that. And they, they're enjoyable enough games. I enjoy playing them. Like why I, I just it just baffles me with why they get so upset. And I just find I just find it so funny to see the Twitter meltdowns and stuff. But on it's, people. it's the culture we're in. It's the everybody gets yeah. a trophy culture. If everybody's a winner, you shouldn't have to put in any time or effort or God forbid you have raw talent. 
They don't like anyone being more talented. They don't like, um, you know, the natural way the world works is there people are going to be better at some things than you. And yeah. you're hopefully going to be better at some things than others. You're hopefully going to have talents as well, but we're not all equally talented. And then you factor in hard work. I know people in the comedy world who they weren't the most talented, but they were the most hardworking and it paid off. Yeah. It paid off and they became some of the most famous. Some of the most famous comedians are not actually the funniest people in that world. On the, there, it's it's both things, and you can help. You can work hard and still achieve success and greatness, even if you don't have all the natural gifts of another. Maybe there's someone with natural talent who doesn't use it. You know, who's yeah. not a hard worker, and so those things. But but it's like they don't. It's not fair if I don't have talent, and it's not fair because I don't want to work hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, and some people. Yeah, people just have natural talents. Like you're just you're not going to be as good as those people <laughs> like to certain people that's like, Oh, everybody can achieve anything they want. I'm like, no, you can't. No, <laughs> no, you can't. And like, sometimes people have to learn the hard reality. Like I, I love watching these YouTube videos and learn how to make knives or learning different skills. Some of these guys, I know I will never be at that level ever. No. Like they just got these steady hands and they can like see and feel the equipment like they're just totally naturally attuned to it. And sometimes they're getting like these perfect bevel lines off these crazy blades. And I'm just watching like, I hate this guy so much. So <laughs> you hate him, but you admire him. Yeah. That's the thing my husband said about music is that uh, he said like musicians are so funny because if, if they, if, if they see someone who's, he's like, if we see someone who's more talented than us, you know, you either, love him and and bow down or to him or her and are like that's amazing yeah. i wish you know and you're or you you see them resentment and can't stand them because you want to be you're like i wish i had played that or i wish i had done yeah. that and 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 that's a human thing you can choose which of those places that you live in are you resentful or are you oh gosh i used to work with a comedian ah i used to work with a comedian who she lived in resentment. She wrote a blog entry once. And back when I was managing her, I actually advised her to take it down. I should have just let her leave it up because it was real. It, it, it was real about what really goes on in our head. And one of the things she said, Greg, was she was talking about what it was like with her with female friends. And she's like, I can't stand when my friends get compliments. She's like, if I'm in a room and with other girls and we're changing clothes and one friend compliments the others, the other one on her breasts or something like, Oh, you've yeah. got, a, you've got a nice rack. You know, she's, yeah. she's like, I seethe with jealousy. Why not me? Like, why not my breasts? And it's like, Whoa, dude, like that's yeah. crazy. You, you can't be happy when your friends have uh, a talent or a nice a rack, nice rack. Yeah. <laughs> or something that you're, you know, that you don't, that that's you want. My friends are usually pretty jealous of. <laughs> Yeah, I get in the pool like, God, nice rack. <laughs> Thanks. When you're playing pool, nice yeah. rack. You racked it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew Joyner, for the super sticker. I just saw that one. Uh, but yeah, I think I think this is a problem, and it goes back to just like, how do you choose to live in the world? These people are complaining about this game. It's like, instead of just, it, it sounds silly, but this is a much deeper, meaningful thing where people are not satisfied to be happy when others are successful or talented or, or unique in some way. 
And if they want that, they're also not willing to work for it themselves. They just want it handed to them, you know? Yeah. Give me that. And, and embrace like who you are. I mean, you know, look, I mean, I got a, I got a nice set of tits and some guys just are never going to have those. That's just not how they're built. <laughs> Right. And you gotta you gotta embrace who you are. Like you know, there are certain people. You know, everybody looks different. Everybody's got different features. You can't control. Embrace it, and it's what makes people attractive. And I've noticed, but there are certain people that aren't like by the the net. You know, the the common definition of what people usually find attractive or whatnot. They don't really fall on that, but because they own it and they have a personality around it, like it makes them very attractive to people. Like, so there are people that I know this. they'll have, you know, girlfriends or something that you're like, well, that's not the type of girl you would date. Like she's of the heavier set and stuff. And like, he's always been for the, the, the more like a, you know, model, you know, Victoria's secret model kind of style girl, but then like totally crazy about some different girl that's polar opposite. And then you like hang out with them and stuff like, Oh, and like, I get it. Like she's just got this personality. She really owns it. And you know, and it's like people got to be able to have confidence in themselves and, you know, they're, you can, you know, really attract people to you just out of having a good attitude yes. and learning from people like, man, people. like I learned the most from all these people that are amazing at stuff. And I'm going, okay, can you show me something? Like, how the heck did you do that? Yeah. And usually these people nine times out of 10 will be more than happy to show you and uh, work with you on it. And sometimes it's some really stupid trick. You're like, I cannot believe I didn't do that. <laughs> but they're willing. It's like, it's just that place of gratitude and and happiness for others. Instead of instead of just avarice and desire and covetousness and, and, and desire to the place where it gets negative, you know? Yeah. Like I, that's just no way to live. Um, I want to put this up real quick. Pirate Tomsky says... Nice hat, Carrie. Thank you. Pirate Tomsky gave oh, me this hat. I do like the hat, but I have an even better hat. Do you? What kind of hat do you wear? Well, only the the proper hat that a man of my caliber should be wearing. Oh, nice. <laughs> I've got a Viking cap. We should do a Viking episode sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't. Well, I'm not going to be able to put on my headphones. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, I have to tell you, speaking of of compliments and put downs and stuff like that, when I was at the stream house this weekend, the content house or whatever, some of the funniest, I mean, the chat was funny. They were like dunking on everyone and sometimes in different ways. Bad and shit talking or whatever right and the things they say about me are somebody said carrie dresses like a kindergarten teacher but i would i would still hit it and i was like well thank you <laughs> <laughs> and then, but the funniest one was that we did an after show where uh chrissy wanted to do karaoke and they were streaming the karaoke i only i can't really sing I, but i i love singing i'm just not good at it but i did my three songs and I had one of my big hats on and I guess kind of these billowy pants. And somebody said, 
Somebody said Carrie dresses like what I imagine uh, they people dress scarecrows like in the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird insult. I was like, what? I'll take it. <laughs> it's so stupid. Anyway, uh, uh, but I agree with you. I agree with you that people can be more or less attractive just depending on their attitude to life. That's not just a saying. That is true. There are, and I and I hope everyone in the chat agrees, like that you've you've known this to happen. There are people who I would say are more um, attractive by society standards, physically attractive, just if you saw a picture of them and didn't know anything else. But then when you get to know them or you've oh, met yeah. them or they open their mouth and you're like, whoa, mm -hmm. you're disgusting. I can't, like, I yeah. don't even see the attractiveness anymore. It's just like, Yeah, it just, it just destroys everything. Like, yeah, and, and the opposite is true too. There've been people who maybe if you saw a picture and you're like, well, you know, average looking person, but then they're just such a beautiful, person that you're like it it makes them more physically attractive that happens yeah that happens happens all the so, time anyway um i've enjoyed i'm just enjoying hanging out with you greg what what else do you got i i just ooze enjoyment um well i have a story about my dog that will live forever who's completely passed out um well she doesn't have any teeth anymore she's like passed out and her, like her tongue hangs out so sometimes I'm like, well, are you still alive? And you got to poke her and then she'll like, you know, wake up. But no, like, so Sunday, so Saturday was my wife's birthday. Um, so the whole bunch of us from the, the Jeep cult, we went down to Outer Banks, which is about an hour or so. Oh, away. I know Outer Banks. Yeah. Yeah. We live about an hour or so from it. Um, so we use a lot of weekends. We'll drive down. There's an area in Kerala which is one of the northernmost sections of the Outer Banks, and you can drive your four-by-fours on it. So we will drive the Jeeps on the beach, and then we'll park at a certain area, and uh, they have wild horses out there that you see every now and again. And uh, so we went out there for her birthday, and which was awesome. One of the guys made lumpia out there. I knew lumpia. Oh, it's so Filipino, good. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so he went out there and cooked up lumpia. I made some hot dogs and they brought a birthday cake and stuff. We just played on the beach and everything. That's where I got all sunburnt. Um, and then on Sunday, she was going to continue her birthday party. She said, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to have brunch. Um, and then we're going to go across the street. We're going to go to this place called Big Woody's and uh, have some drinks and everything and uh, kind of party for the rest of the day. And that morning, like Emma was sleeping in a weird position and wasn't moving. And Jenny couldn't get her to come up. And usually if you're like, call her name, she'll like pop right up and, you know, start bossing around and everything. But she wouldn't get up and she would just stand in there. And we know she's had a heart condition. And uh, we've surprisingly for people that have dogs and might have conditions, um, I was told to get them like CBD treats. I thought it was total uh, BS. It's helped a lot, like surprisingly, like um, really helped. So we've been giving her CBD and it's her coughing has gone way down. Um, and she got a little bit more energy and stuff and is a le little less spastic. But she just wasn't moving. And we really thought like, holy cow, like this is it. Like she's got like no motion to her back half and stuff. And 
so like my wife's crying like i'm about to cry because i had to you know put down you know and it was in the past and i was like i can't do that again so we were kind of like looking at each other like i think we're gonna have to do this and so she's like we're gonna cancel all our plans for today and stuff and and so she's goes upstairs to tell like our daughter to get her daughter down and then uh the boys which is our cousin and brother that are staying with us um pull them down to say hey you know say goodbyes to emma for you know taking her down and while she's up there like i'm holding her and i noticed like she had somehow wedged her paw like up into her hair and like kind of got it scruffed up and got it like stuck but it was in a weird position you couldn't see so it just looked like she just wasn't moving and so like i pulled her out and stuff and kind of like made her stand up and so it was a little sore and stuff and then she's like back to normal just like that was it it was just the paw. Yeah. I'm glad, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Save that. Save that bitch's life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now she's totally back, like how she's been all her life, just you know, running around barking at stuff. Peeing how old is floors. she? It's like fifteen. Fifteen. I think the average life for Pomeranian is like eleven. Yeah. Oh yeah. So she's she's up there for a little dog. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and that's sure. Barley. The she's nicest dog in the world, but she's dumb as a brick. <laughs> it's funny. I dog sit a lot, and you can see like the different intelligence levels and the different personalities and everything. They're they're so. I mean, we were my four people, but we were talking before the show about dogs and just like different. Like with Tiger, he's got a total personality, and every dog I watch has a different one. It's funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just kind of, I don't know. We, we don't like tiger can tell, he can also tell weird things. Like I was telling you, he can hear when my truck is down the street way before anybody else can hear it. I know they can hear, you were saying they can hear different frequencies and stuff, but he'll set up my husband and my housemate have said this before that I'm even pulling into the drive, he'll perk up and go run to the door. And then a few minutes later they see my truck pull in. That's crazy to me, but he just knows. Yeah. And he doesn't, and like I was telling you, Anthony was like, well, he doesn't have a job. He he has all day to sit around and figure out what your truck sounds like far away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm happy. I'm happy that your dog is fine. Yeah, she's totally fine. I was, I was a little bummed out. You know, so I was finally going to get rid of her. No. No, she's smart as a whip too. She knows. The little she one. Yeah. Yeah. Barley's listening. Barley, are you dumb? <laughs> oh. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're, You're a dumb, dumb. doggy. <laughs> totally not PC, but I call retard dog. Oh, no. I was going to say earlier, I was going to make a not PC joke about the game you were telling me about. If the developer just came out and he acquiesced to their demands but he also trolled and insulted them at the same time and said okay we're going to pet out a retard level <laughs> that, like, they would be so upset like no. oh yeah no. one of these times it's got to happen it's like just yeah. somebody's like yep we'll give you into all your demands and just make it so ridiculous and I was like, what is this this is stupid 
Yes, it is. You log yes, into the game and it's like, <laughs> you won! <laughs> yeah, you win. <laughs> Here's the trophy. Yeah. Uh, Go home. Okay. Thanks for $70. You beat the game. Yeah, so Frank, what is going on? I don't know. I Outer Banks is fun, though. Outer Banks is fun. Uh, well, do you want to keep going for a few minutes or should we wrap up? If we keep going, I'll give you two choices, like in a game. If we keep going, I have to take a bathroom break. So you have to read Super Chats or something or read chats. Oh, I can read Super Chats. You, okay, or just read chats. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Let's see here. A lot of Super Chats about my nice rack. I see. I'm scrolling up on the chats. I see all the, at least the YouTube chats. So let me go through here. Oh, yeah. See, Adam Warhol. Nice rack. Where'd you get those spices from? <laughs> uh I like my comedians bitter and funny. That's why I love Hannah Gatsby. I uh, <laughs> isn't she the one that just like uh, I could be wrong. Isn't she the one that just kind of like lectures the crowd the whole time and it's not even like a comedy skit? Is that the one that uh, Dave Chappelle uh, made fun of and said she's not funny? If I'm wrong, correct me. Nice hat, Carrie. Beard love, that's right. I might have to shave my beard or at least really trim it up because every time I eat, I get it in everything. I get it is a catch all for all sorts of stuff. And I constantly have to like brush it and, you know, and groom it. I'm just not that type of person that likes to constantly maintain my, uh, myself all day. Uh, let's see here. Scrolling down. Ooh, were you at the Capitol January 6th? Yeah, because of my hat. That's funny. Yeah, don't tell anybody. I can neither confirm nor deny that I am the QAnon shaman. Who is calling me? Uh, let's see here. Is he carrying me with some people? It knocks their nose out of... Yeah, I agree with that. So I'll read that. Yeah, I see... Say what Carrie means by the pulse of resentment with some people, it knocks their nose out of joint because they are insecure. I think that's, that goes to a lot of the stuff is people just get really insecure. And I used to be that way. I used to get jealous all the time and kind of had to come to the realization that it was making me miserable. And once I really started working on it and to be happy for people and not be jealous like me, and I became a lot happier and a fun person to be around, I think. And I got a nice rack out of it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Let's scroll through Pirate Tomsky. Oh, yeah. So he's got yeah, Carrie Smith at locals.com. Go check out her locals page. Uh, membership is $500 a person per week. Uh, <laughs> we already hit our monthly goal. We were trying to raise $5 a month and we did it. I just, we could throw a party now. <laughs> <laughs> Getting that small, uh, that small latte over at Starbucks. Yeah. The tiger, disgusting. What else are you? Disgusting. Well, I'm gonna send this picture actually to Cole to put up since we're just shooting the the shit now. Shooting the shit. Oh, I got a question though for Pirate Tomsky because he's the one that gave you the idea, and if I'm if I remember right, but Kerfefi. Kerfefi break, yes. So I told Carrie that 
I would also make you a knife because you did kind of win too because you came up with a name that she liked the most. Um, but you're a Brit and they have crazy rules about knives there. So if there's something I can make you, I was thinking like maybe like a like a spreader knife that's you know obviously not sharp and doesn't have a pointy edge. Um, so you can actually have a knife in England. I hate saying that. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, don't do that for me. Yeah, I'm going to send you like a whole sword. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have your name all over it. Heavily requested by Tomsky. The point he is, if there's, okay. yeah, if there's something you can have shipped there, Greg will make it for you. Yeah. Because so I made a, well, my friend made it and I put the handle on it, but it's, it's basically like a spreader knife, you know, like a like a really nice butter knife and stuff. Um, if I could do something like that, I would assume you can have butter knives in England. Oh yeah. Or, or are you not even allowed to have those anymore? He's or do you just a... have everybody rape you in England? <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Let me see if I can share this. Yeah, cutlass, oh, or, yeah, like a cutlass uh, supreme. You know, like the car. Is that Cutlass Supreme or Cutlass? What was that? What? Who made the Cutlass? Said, Don't Cutlass cars. I was trying to make a joke and I only thought about 20% into it. Let's see if I can show you this. <laughs> we take the ever great approach. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. A 3D printed gun and mail, se mail the parts separately. That's what I'm well, I can't share this picture. I wish I could. And I want to try and send it. Snurdly can't share it for you? Um, what are you calling him? Snurdly. Snurdly? I can't That's figure a, out how to. That was uh, the, who did all the, the production stuff behind the scenes for Rush Limbaugh. He, anybody oh, I never called him Snurdly. I never listened to Rush Limbaugh. I've, I, I was, him I was in, without oh, listening yeah, to him. Did at the time. Yeah. I always enjoyed him. I didn't agree with him on everything, but he always had a very interesting take, and he had a, he was kind of funny. In retrospect, he pro oh, yeah. I yeah. probably would funny. have enjoyed some of it. You know, it's like it's the kind of thing like I I couldn't appreciate Trump either because I just hate him without knowing very much. And then and then after the fact, I've gone back now and looked at some old clips and stuff from debates. I'm like, oh, that's actually really funny. Like he had a good sense of humor. But oh, he, at he the time, he can be a complete jerk. Like he, he's a dick a lot of times, but man, is it funny? Yeah, and he's a dick to the right people, so it's kind of see, it makes it good. Like there, I swear, there are times where he's just like he is about to tweet, and he's like, "Check this out. I'm going to misspell this word. I'm going to say kafefi." He's like, "Watch this. The media's going to be all over, and they're going to freak out." I know he's like, "Check that." And he does it, and then the media freaks it. out, and he deletes it. And he's like, now they're really going to get going. You know he's got to be doing that stuff and all that stuff and just cracking up just how much he was in their heads. Like, he just lived in their heads 24 Even now, they can't stop. They can't oh, yeah, stop still thinking about him. Yeah, the gas prices, are, gas prices are Trump's fault. Like, then yeah. why? During Trump, it was all down. And then as soon as it went to Biden, and he struck the Keystone pipeline, yeah. Oh, it's weird. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know science, so maybe you guys are right. 
the party of science. So it's everything's his fault. It's always going to be his fault. They don't have someone that they they love to hate as much as they love to hate him yet. I think they're trying to make DeSantis that guy, but it's hard he, because DeSantis is more of a intellectual. I mean, he yeah. definitely doesn't care what they think, just like Trump, but he he's not the same. He doesn't troll in the same way that Trump did. Yeah, he's well, I think think they want to hate him so much more you had more ammunition with trump because trump didn't have a large vocabulary right you know i often repeat the same words he would stumble over words at times and say dumb things and had to come back like well i didn't mean it that way you know uh and you know he gets irritated real easy where DeSantis is calm collected extremely smart does all the same stuff kind of trump does in the sense like he doesn't care like about the politics he's doing it because this is the right thing to do and when like they try to nail him on stuff he throws it right back at him and he's got yeah. ammunition where trump it's just like fake news yeah you know he he can hit him a lot harder and so i i think they're gonna have a harder time with desantis because he's he's very well liked far more popular than trump is other than and like he's not gonna run against them Right. And he makes sense. I mean, that's what you're like, what you're saying. He's got an argument. He comes back at them. He punches back and he has facts behind him. And so I also think they don't, it's going to be harder for them to take excerpts of what he's saying and show them and fire up those, you know, 10 minutes of hatred or whatever, because they've, because it's, it's, they don't want people to see him speaking. If yeah. they do, it's going to wake some people up because he's got the facts behind him. I think about yeah. when I was in that cold, if I had heard any of those clips, they would have to be really selective with what they allowed me to see in the echo chamber. Because if yeah. I ever went and heard a full speech, it would be over. Like, well, this guy makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, that, like they selectively edit clips and stuff and, you know, will make it sound like he's saying one thing when it's another. And he's called him out a bunch of times on that. And, which is really funny because he's like, no, actually, if you play the full clip, it, well, you know, I'll, I'll read it exactly what I said to you right now. And they'll go through the whole thing. And they just look like assholes up there. Yeah. And it's like, he's all right, next question. Oh, it's great. Like he he can own the media. It's it's yeah. awesome. But speaking of media, we got uh, Elon Musk that has just under 10% ownership in uh twitter and twitter is freaking out apparently uh, people are resigning <laughs> you know from wow twitter. and i'm like good i'm not even a big fan of elon musk like there's something about the guy like he just i always feel he's got like a secret agenda and he's you know not like the good guy i think he, he just take he, he comes off to me like the monorail guy from simpsons right um but i am getting a kick out of the Twitter stuff and the fact that he's the largest shareholder in Twitter, you get a couple other people, you know, a number of people that are all upset with the direction that Twitter's going and the decline in revenue and behind you. And all of a sudden you can invoke a whole lot of change. Pirate says that one of those oh, was it a parody account was a parody. So you can't even tell these days. You have <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Go for it. Is this true or parody, Matt? He's just breaking. Elon has been accepted on the board. Now, is that parody? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you would, I would assume that you kind of have to. The largest shareholder, you kind of just walk in and go, I'm getting on this board. 
Yeah. It was a perfect parody, though, Pirate says. Oh, yeah. I agree. But I think that that's hilarious. I think it'll be really interesting to see where things go with um, the direction of Twitter. I would hope that the reason he's getting on is to shake things up and expose things. Um, or it could be because he jumped on, caused a big stir. Uh, the values of Twitter went way up. So, boom, sell your shares, get back out, and you just made a ton of money. Yeah. I think at that, he seems to me like he, he might just sort of delight now in his own kind of trolling in a way. I mean, for him, it's probably I like, think yeah. kind of yeah. is. This is going to make heads roll. Sure. I'm going to buy in. Because he's always been kind of a decentralization guy. Like that's mm -hmm. been his shtick for a while as he wants things decentralized. Um, even though he does take like China money and he takes American money, like taxpayer money with subsidies. And he's got stuff going on in China and has said all sorts of great stuff about China. So I'm like, in the back of my mind is like, I don't know about this guy. But I guess you got to take your wins where you can get them. Yeah. So is that another thing I wanted to talk to you about? Because we what? talked about it before. Not necessarily Jack Murphy, even mm -hmm. though I still like making fun of that guy. <laughs> but the whole Manosphere thing, I think, is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I think so, it's whole grift. So this is a world I'm not that familiar with. I'm just kind of on the periphery of it. But I've seen some of it. And I've also seen some of the... Uh, the PUA, the pickup artist community stuff. And it seems like there's a lot of overlap between those worlds. Is there? Or yeah. Is that just, okay. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of those guys who are like pickup artists and I hate like pickup artists. You know, it just, it just feels sleazy to me. Like, Oh, I can go across the street and get any more, you know, get any girl on my bed. I'm like, is that, is that what you're proud of? I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so the manosphere for anyone who doesn't know, and you correct me if I describe it wrong. These are, there's all different corners of YouTube and the internet and everything, right? Like I, we're sort of in this wrong thinker world of podcasters who talk about current events and culture and, and philosophy and stuff. But then there's this manosphere world where it's all these guys who talk about um, being masculine. Oh, Hey, before we talk about the manosphere, let me just, Cole, put this up. It finally came through. This is a, this is my little dog, Tiger. When I was gone this weekend, I missed him so much. And Anthony sent me this picture. So what Tiger does is when, when he thinks we're leaving, he, he will go and sit in the corner of the room and look all sad. If you could zoom into his face, I don't know if you can make it bigger, but he'll go and sit and just stare at you and give you this sad pouty face like you're leaving me. And so Anthony sent me this and was like, he, he said, good morning. Oh, and I, I scratched out my pet name because you don't, nobody needs to know my pet name. Good morning. <laughs> Tiger thinks I'm leaving him to go to the big house, but little does he know I'm taking him with me. And look at his face. He's sitting there all resentful and sad. Like, oh, you're not going to take me. But then if you tell him, because sometimes he gets it wrong. He can tell if you're going to take him or not. But sometimes he, he guesses wrong. And he'll go sit in the corner like that and pout because he thinks it's a solo trip. And then, and then, <laughs> and then you'll get to the door and he'll still be sitting there like, at the, you're like, come on. And he'll freak out like, ah, I get to come. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my dog story. <laughs> look, look at his little face. 
That's funny. Anyway. So what's your pet name? I'm going to tell him my pet name. We should, have a contest. <laughs> we should have a contest for the pet name. <laughs> Between me and Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep some okay. things that are just, you know, private. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you're on the internet now. There ain't nothing <laughs> private anymore. Uh, it's not it's not bad or anything. It's just a personal thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> horrible, but, so inappropriate. <laughs> but the manosphere instantly. Back back to the manosphere. So Probably like, is... what's up, powerful white woman? <laughs> <laughs> what's up, boss lady? No. Yeah. <laughs> Kirkins. No, gross. Squirrel. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, manosphere. So the yeah. manosphere is these guys who just teach you how to be more of a masculine, more of a man, right? Yeah, but it's and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, um, I think there's like, like art of manliness and stuff. It's got a lot of like kind of inspirational things, and there are things about being a man, you know, that you should kind of adhere to, like. You know, there's a lot of good things about like stoicism and, you know, being truthful, owning up to your mistakes, um, not being controlled by your emotions, you know, learning through hard work, don't take the easy way out kind of thing, uh, standing up for people. But theirs gets into this whole like, oh, you got to everything that doesn't fall in their exact line. And they kind of have these moving lines that um it's a, everybody's uh, you know you're a cuck or you're a soy boy or you're a beta and i just think all that stuff's just ridiculous everybody's different um some people aren't they're not big burly men they're not going to be able to do like the big manly stuff they always try because they're always like these big beastly guys you know huge muscles you know can lift a truck and stuff and, you know, like, oh, you know, it's almost kind of like the, you know, the, the big muscle builders, like kind of the meatheads at the gym and stuff. And, you know, like if they were looking down on you and, you know, so a lot of these guys will play that grift and it does fall in with like the, the pickup artist kind of things. And, but like, like, the, like didn't... you find out this guy is totally opposite and they're all just playing a grift because there's a, so much money in it. It's mm -hmm. like, why are you trusting these guys? I mean, the, the, it's pretty simple life lessons that I would think, you know, make you a man. But there should be certain like man skills like, you know, you should know how to change a tire. You should know how to do certain, you know, DIY things around the house, you know, do a little bit of plumbing and stuff, um, because ultimately that's, you know, you should be, especially if like you're a family man, like you're, you know, you're kind of the support structure right? and need to be looking out for those things. But certain people like they can't do that stuff. And I, I just don't like the whole like, oh, he's not a man, you know, and it just it gets like the very divisive. And then you end up it almost always pans out that these people are, you know, more Jack Murphy's there's the whole thing you know and where he you know all of a sudden he comes out with this book you know from 
you know, Democrat to deplorable or something. And right from the I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a grift. Like he's going to make a bunch of money off this. Then he had the liminal order that, hey, join this all exclusives men's club for $100 a month and we'll teach you how to be a man. And it's taking advantage of a lot of men that are very insecure, mm -hmm. which makes total sense when you're growing up in a world like we are right now, where any form of classical masculinity is frowned upon and made fun of or targeted and you're bad, you know, if you do these man things. I thought it sounded good. I interviewed him. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking it was a great idea to have an organization that was supporting masculinity and um, providing that community that, that seems to be lacking in a lot of people's lives in retrospect with everything that happened. I'm sort of thinking now, this, I know that I know this is the cheesy part of the show, but, but you don't have to pay all that money to learn, to, to have a community with other strong, with strong masculine men. You can go find a good church. I know this is the cheesy part, but it's true. I'm not, and there's not good churches in every, I get it. I know some places yeah. you know, it, people are like, I, everything around me is woke, but I'm just speaking from my experience. I happen to be blessed with a church full of sincere people. And the, it's the strongest men I know, like strong yeah. in the ways that matter. Not like they look like beefcakes, but they know how to take care of their family. Um, we have protection at every service. There are people who know how to handle and operate firearms. We have, uh, we, I know I'm in good hands with these men and, and yeah. I respect them and I, I respect their leadership and they, they counsel, they counsel one another, they counsel the other men. We've had them help guys, um, people quit drinking. We've had them help with, um, like people, you don't even have to be a member of the church. They they'll pull people together and help people move. They'll help people with marriage counseling. They're just there to support and build community. And um, that's my cheesy little thing. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, if there was a guy in my life who came to me and said, "I don't have any," I just feel like I'm missing this masculine influence. And we lit we do live in this feminized world that's emasculating men and telling them that masculinity is toxic and all this stuff. Would I send them to pay a bunch of money to join an organization like that? Or would I say, you need to go hang out with these guys. I know someone, yeah. a group of men that you should go meet. That's what I would do. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And you're around those folks. And even though, you know, when you're at church and you, you dress up like a kindergarten teacher, they're not <laughs> looking at you like a piece of meat, even though that is so appealing. <laughs> That's a real man right Even there. Even though I look like a scarecrow from the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they said like Callan Fursey, the best ad YouTuber. Like those things are great. Like when you're you're trying to go out there and like, hey, here are the you know skills and stuff you can be. Because when you learn those things, you're proud of yourself. Like, oh, I can fix that. Or I can go help somebody else with that. And it should be going out and helping your fellow man. Yeah. And the, the all encompassing man, meaning man and woman, because if you actually know what that means, what that means. you don't have to say a man and a woman. Um, but like, those are the things you should be latched onto. And yeah, like churches are great for that. Not all churches are great for that, but you know, you your, can find your the right Jeep club. Yeah. Like Jeep club. There's a lot of, a lot of guys in there, you, can, you know, go 
we do wrench parties and stuff where somebody's got to, you know, change a part on their Jeep and we'll go to the garage and we'll get together and we'll, we'll rent for hours on their Jeep, change out their suspension or something, and then go out for drinks afterwards. Um, you know, it's about having a support structure and it's about having people around you that are willing to call you out on when you're being crappy. Yeah. And you, these people, they're, what they're doing is, they're, in my opinion, they're taking advantage. Not to say like every single one of them is bad. There's probably some good guys there that truly mean it. Um, yeah. But I think far and wide, it's a big grift and it's taking advantage of people that need something. And then when you, when they eventually get found out because they're grifters, they don't mean this stuff. And eventually it's going to come up and catch up with them that the people that were, that really believe them were, were just desperate for help. What happens to those people? Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, they found some other people within those groups that can continue to support them and stuff. But, you know, it's a group of other people wanting help, you know, and, and you're, so it's, you're putting it all into one. That's why I think don't make gods out of men because men, and I mean men and women in the way men, people, they're not gods. They are fallible. They will let you down. Even if they're not a con artist, they're still going to let you down in some way because they're human. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is everybody makes mistakes. And men, especially, especially, do some of the dumbest shit known to man. Like that's why we have women to go. What the hell are you doing? You know, and you know, pull us away from doing stupid stuff because we're really good at it. The problem like, currently in society is women. I think are pulling men in a very bad direction. Yeah, yeah, into woke, into transing kids, into all this stuff. There's a lot of women pushing that. Yeah, but you don't you don't hear about it. they don't talk about it. And I think it's actually I think there's actually statistics that women are more likely to be the abusive, physically abusive. They are. I've read these. The other in a relationship than the man is, but but you the man not is say that um, women on like I've seen these stats. Women physically abuse men more often. But when men physically abuse women, it's much more damaging and deadly and there's, you know, a lot more problems with it. But in terms of just hauling off and slapping, doing a Will Smith slap or something in the household, that happens more often from the woman to the man. Isn't that crazy? Because we don't think about it that way. It's wild. Um, just do a, a couple more chats and then... Cole found an article he wanted to put up. If you want to, we'll end on this. I just wanted to say, I agree with you, Cheeky Mayor. She says, I need a man who can do something with his hands. I don't want to be the most mechanical person in the room. Yes. Is that a double entendre? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this one is too, I think. I need my suspension change. <laughs> Little, little creaky. <laughs> um, what is this article you found, Cole? Let's see. 
Liberals outrage. This is the Babylon Bee. Liberals outrage to learn that 10% of Twitter now owned by African American. <laughs> what? What is this? Is Elon Musk black? Well, is he was he from South America? So it'd be technically African American. I thought he was like Swedish or something. Scroll down. I I can't. I don't get the joke yet. <laughs> Let's see. Liberals at Twitter were outraged this morning upon finding out that about 10% of their company is now owned by an African-American. Several have threatened to walk out to protest the news. Quote, this man's foreign ways aren't welcome here, said Twitter programming director Xerzees something something Weezer. I watched a TikTok video about a Salon article about a tweet from a journalist that said that he is based which is another word for transphobic. I have literally not stopped shaking and throwing up on my desk since I found out. Uh, th that's funny. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's got, does he have African heritage? Oh yeah. Somebody says he's from oh, South Africa. Oh, I get it. He's from Pretoria, South Africa. That's really funny. Uh, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that makes it great. Well, that Louis C.K. won a Grammy, so they're freaking out about that. And they're like, oh, there's another white man. Actually, you know he's Mexican. Yeah, he's Mexican, I think. Is he? Yeah, the C.K., uh, I can't remember what it stands for, but I think like people had such a hard time like pronouncing it that he just went by C.K. I didn't know that. Is he Latinx? <laughs> yeah, he's Latinx. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at this. 15 celebrities you had no idea were Latinx. Louis C.K., number one. <laughs> this is a serious article. He's yeah. in there. He's a Mexican-American. Wow. Louis C.K., uber funny comedian Louis C.K., known for his pessimistic sense of humor and starring in his namesake show, Louis, is actually Mexican through and through, on his dad's side anyway. While his white skin and red hair make this hard to believe, there is more racial diversity in Mexico than many people assume. That's true. One yeah, of Canelo, my old... Canelo Alvarez, redheaded. Uh, I I knew a lady in my one of my SJW days. This feminist I worked with, she was white, blue eyes, red hair. She was 100% Mexican, and you're like, what? What's happening? Uh, yeah, okay. Louis C.K. There we go. Congratulations, Latinx. Win a Grammy. Okay, yeah. we got to bounce. We got to bounce too, yeah. Judson. Thank you guys for sticking with us, hanging out with us during this makeup chat, uh, makeup show. Greg, why don't you tell people where they can find you online? If you, assuming you want them to find you, I don't want them to find me. Okay. No, um, I don't I have a huge online presence anymore. Um, I mean, the three craters, craters with a K, is still there. Um, so you can message me there. Um, I'm on Instagram at Dreadcraft, craft with a K. Um, that's kind of where I post sporadically some of the knives that I'm making. Um, I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm friends with Carrie. So if you're friends with Carrie on Facebook, you can find Greg Wilson there. And uh, I do have a brother. <laughs> He's not nearly as good looking as me, though. Um, not nearly as nice as a rack. <laughs> um but yeah you can find me on facebook and stuff and uh you know shoot me a friend's request or whatever you know if you want to message me 
I might talk to you. Dreadcraft on Instagram is where you post your knife pictures too, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you, Greg. Thanks for hanging out today. Thank you guys for joining us. If it was your first time here, this is a new channel. It's called Deprogrammed. We're almost at 6,000 subscribers, which for a new channel, I think is pretty good. So if you're here and you're not subscribed, consider hitting subscribe. And uh, and thank you guys. Have a good- Or you're Russian. You're a Russian bot. Or you're Russian. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to roll this video as we go out. Let's see. Here we go. Bye, guys.